0: howdy folks and welcome back to another episode of the weekly dose of euphoria podcast i'm your host matt zapala and i have a special treat for you guys this week i had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with australian cricketer nick madison this week on the podcast Nick is an incredible athlete, spreading an important message that you can thrive off a plant-based diet, even as a professional athlete. Nick started his first-class cricketing career for New South Wales, representing the state cricket team over there. He then put together some dominant performances and earned an Australian call-up representing the national team. Further on down the track, he's now recently moved down to Melbourne from Sydney in the hope to reignite this cricketing career with the Victorian State cricket team, which he is currently contracted with, as well as representing the Melbourne Stars in the Big Bash League, which is the shorter format of the game. And I have no doubt that Nick is hoping to pursue a future with the Australian team again. Nick is an incredible talent and he's doing amazing things with the platform he's worked so hard for. In this episode, we discuss Nick's upbringing and what life was like growing up in country New South Wales. Where his cricketing journey began and how it progressed from grassroots to national level. Any advice for youngsters out there on wanting to take that next step? Nick's journey transitioning to a plant-based diet and how he feels it has excelled not only his athletic performance, but his energy levels, mental clarity, and sleep. We also discussed how a professional athlete can thrive with a plant-based diet, and any tips for you guys on how to make sustainable changes working towards a happier, healthier planet. Plus a whole lot more hidden gems it was such a surreal experience having the opportunity to chat all things cricket and life with a guy i idolize thank you so much for your time this week nick guys don't forget to subscribe to the weekly dose of euphoria podcast on itunes and screenshot the cover page of the podcast adding it to your instagram story tagging us in it i would love to connect with as many people as possible spreading this amazing way of life hope you enjoy the show folks Nick Sam, welcome to the weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to have you on the show and dive into your journey as a professional cricketer and as a plant-based athlete as well. I'm also very pumped to get you over to Particle Cafe, which is uh, one of the most iconic vegan cafes on this side of town, mate.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. I followed them on Instagram for a while, so to get over there.
0: Nah mate, their food is unbelievable. Nick, we're going to dive right into your life as a pro cricketer at both state level for New South Wales and Victoria and then international level for
1: Australia. But first, tell us what life was like for you growing up. Um, Yeah, so I grew up oldest of five kids on the south coast of New South Wales. Um, The two brothers sort of directly under me was a pretty close age gap, um, only sort of two years apart. So we grew up playing backyard cricket and all that kind of stuff, spending time at the beach in the summer. So that's how I sort of got involved in cricket, was spending a lot of time at dad's games and stuff like that. Um, Played rugby during the winter as well, both league and union. Um, so that took up a fair bit of my time. And then um, as I got older, cricket took over and ended up moving to Sydney eventually at 16 to play um, and just went from there. It's the Aussie childhood dream, isn't it? Cricket in the summer, footy in the winter or rugby if you're, in, uh, if you're in New South Wales, that's for sure. Yeah, that was it. I'm sure mum and dad at times probably didn't appreciate every weekend of the year driving to sport. But um, yeah, it was a great upbringing, especially coming from sort of country New South Wales um, and on a coastal town. I really loved it. How did you find playing in the country, going into the city. Yeah, it was a big step up. Um, I guess the the difference was that each level you go up, um, rather than just sort of one good bowl to contend with, you've got three or four coming at you. So that was the biggest gap. Um, and the thing I found hard at the start, I was, I was travelling two hours to, to play in the city um, yeah. when I was 16, when I started playing grade cricket there. So I found that a little bit difficult at the start, but sort of a year in I felt pretty settled and I had a really good club that I was involved with, which really um, helped out. and. Uh, I think after my second year, I was given a rookie contract and then ended up moving to Sydney. Excellent. So it all fell into place and we're going to dive more into that a
0: little bit later on. But you mentioned that you were playing rugby and cricket in the summer. What was sort of the deciding
1: factor for you to lead more into cricket? Uh, I just liked cricket a lot more. Um, I still love rugby, especially Rugby Union. I played a lot more of that. Um, I think my dad did say at one point he thought I was probably a better rugby player than cricket but <laughs> I think um, about the age of 14 or f- maybe 15 a uh, winter program for cricket started and that's when I thought it was probably getting a little bit serious and we'd train on weekends um, during the winter every, every couple of weeks so Um, That was sort of the deciding factor for me. I wanted to play cricket and I wanted to be involved in that. And looking back, it was a pretty good decision, but I always loved cricket more, so it was a pretty easy one.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And at that age, did you always have aspirations to play professionally?
1: Yeah, of course. Ever since I can remember, I wanted to play for Australia. Um, Since I was probably five or six, I remember going to dad's cricket games and dressing up in in people's kit who were out there fielding or something (laughs) like that and making my mum or or grandparents throw balls to me and pretend I was playing test cricket. So as long as I can remember, that's all I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, fantastic, mate. And I know this is quite an out there question, but at such a young age, did you either question where your food came from or know where the food on your plate
1: came from? Uh, Not really, no. So growing up um, where I did, there was a big dairy farm. Um, area so a lot of people I played rugby with um, their families owned dairy farms and worked on farms and stuff like that so I guess at that age I never really really considered it it wasn't until um, obviously we'll get into it soon but as I got a bit older and um, became a little bit more aware of my surroundings and where things were coming from and obviously it's still hard now like there's obviously I don't agree with some of the stuff but the family are still really good friends in my family and um, there's still a little bit of a relationship there but yeah at a young age i didn't really know
0: yeah definitely Uh, the reason why i ask you that is question is because i found that a lot of young people these days 10 11 12 13 are starting to really question where the food came from and making the connection between nutrition and athletic performance or or longevity so to speak so the times are definitely changing which is which is good nick for the listeners can you explain the junior cricket pathway and then take us through your personal pathway from all the way into professional level?
1: Yeah, so I started out playing um, Kanga Cricket or, or Milo Cricket, I don't know what it's what it's called now, but started doing that on Saturday mornings when I was probably five or six, got the odd game filling in for the under tens, which was the youngest age group in my area. So um, I think probably when I was six or seven, ended up playing full time, um, came through the, the junior career, I ended up moving associations and ended up playing for a team with Adam Zampa, who's probably yeah. my closest friend um, so since we're probably 11 or 12 years old we've played with and against each other so moved and played for him um, sort of natural progression through grade cricket and started playing men's cricket after that and got through to uh, a country camp um, for New South Wales cricket under-17s and then was not long after that was sort of picked for their um, country team to play against City and ended up playing pretty well and got pick for New South Wales and then after that I end up moving to Sydney to play club cricket and like I said before it sort of did well my second year and got given a rookie contract and um, sort of just progressed from there.
0: Yeah fantastic and going through the ranks when was the pivotal moment that you realised that crap this is real like I could be, professionally, I could be potentially playing professional cricket?
1: Um, I think it's something I always obviously wanted to do and had the confidence I could do it but it probably started to feel a bit more real when you know you get involved in New South Wales at the time, the under 17th program Um, went up to the SCG. We'd train every every week during the winter, sort of me and Adam, and our parents would sort of make the trip up, sort of hour and a half to two hours to train after school. Um, And that was probably the time I thought it was it was pretty serious, and that I had an an opportunity to possibly get into professional cricket. And then um, I think when I started playing men's cricket in Sydney, so grade cricket, when I was about that same sort of 16, 17 um, and did well in a couple of games. And then when I was given the rookie contract, it all sort of became pretty real then and being involved in the system and some of the players that were around then were a little bit surreal. But um, yeah, it was probably about that 15, 16, maybe that I thought it was a real career.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that you and Adam were obviously playing with or against each other from such a young age. Being on the same level, how do you think that impacted you having a mate that was all thereabouts, trying to trying to
1: get into yeah, the same squad obviously as you. It definitely helped and coming we sort of lived maybe half an hour apart from each other he was a little bit further north than me so a lot of our trips to Sydney were together um lot, one parent would drive one week and then we'd swap the next training yeah. session and until we were old enough to sort of drive ourselves but uh, I guess having him there we're always in the same teams in rep cricket um and then progressing that into New South Wales pathway stuff and we're always sort of I guess you're pushing each other and um in a way, we we're sort of training, and we we're training at probably more professional level than what a lot of other guys probably were, in, especially in country cricket at the age of 15. So I guess it definitely helped having him around, and um, you know, spent countless hours at his place on weekends during the winter as well, staying over, and his dad and, and and Adam and stuff going down to the nets and working on our game. So it definitely helped having him.
0: Fantastic. And do you have any advice for any youngsters that maybe they're about or have aspirations to play professional cricket that have a friend or on the same level as like you did, on what to do, what steps to take looking back now?
1: Um, yes, yeah, so I think we just obviously there were people that we looked up to and we knew where we wanted to, we had a pretty clear goal of what we wanted to, to do. But I guess some advice is just the best way to do it is in small groups or, or find someone that you can really work with because there's days when you don't really want to do it. But your your partner will so they Mm. sort of push you in that way and I think that was probably a good thing for us growing up as well like I said during the winter I'd go to his house and you know his dad would take us down the nets and we'd spend hours in the bowling machine and doing some fitness and doing our fielding and if it wasn't for him or you know having someone else there involved in a a similar pathway I don't know whether it would have turned out um, as well as it did so early on in my career because I thought I was probably ready a bit earlier than um, a lot of other guys who were coming through as well.
0: Excellent. And it's a good point that you raised there, keeping each other accountable. Me, obviously, I link everything back to fitness on personal yep. trainer. So I enjoy training in group environments and having people there to help motivate you to get that extra rep out or to do the things that you don't want to do. So yeah, it's sure. important that you raise that point there, mate. As you mentioned before, with the pathway into state cricket, you're obviously performing at the great cricket level. Take us through the emotions when you got that rookie contract for New
1: South Wales and, and you're going to make your debut. Yeah, so sort of, I think after I had a pretty successful grade year and did really well under 19s um played for a show under 19s and sort of after that year i was got asked to go to brisbane for the cricket academy um to train up there and spend a winter living up there so uh, it all happened about the same time i think just as i went away i was told i was getting a rookie contract and stuff like that and i was away most of the winter uh, and then sort of came back august i guess it was august september and was straight into some preseason games in new south wales and um, obviously did well enough where they took me as part of the squad for the first game and I think from memory, I think I probably wasn't going to start at the start of the year, but um, I think a few Aussie guys being selected for different um, teams, I think David Warner might have got picked for a one day tour or something like that, it opened up a, an opportunity and I was um, obviously just there and they showed a bit of faith in, a, in an 18 year old and, and picked me to play. So.
0: Awesome, paint the picture of the, uh, of the scenery and the emotions going through your brain when you're going out to play first game.
1: Yeah, it's a while ago now, it's only sort of nine years ago, so um, I remember Adelaide Oval looks a lot different then to what it does now, so I remember I was in the old change rooms at the other end of the ground, which you sort of don't really notice are there anymore, but uh, walking out, I think, uh, you know, first time I'd been to Adelaide and stepped out on the Oval, and you know, it's what you see on TV, and I'd grown up watching games at the Adelaide Oval, so I was pretty honoured and I was really excited to get out there I was started I remember I started my innings very slow and I was pretty nervous but sort of once I think you know sport once you actually get involved um, and start playing that a lot of the nerves sort of go away and you just sort of focus on what you need to do and that's sort of what happened that day
0: instinct takes over yeah that's it awesome mate um so now you're in a professional cricket environment take us through the setup what a typical week looks like for you what services you have on hand just for the listeners at home
1: yeah so we've got a great facility now with cricket victoria based at the junction oval st kilda so um, we've got everything we need in there so just depending on sort of what you've done on the weekend in club cricket sometimes monday is a bit of a free day or an optional day so um, you go in you might be a bit of rehab some recovery um, do a bit of running or some gym if you're sort of feeling up to it tuesdays um, sort of changes a little bit so we might have obviously everyone's on a bit of a different program but for me i was sort of at the moment um, I got injured a, a few weeks or a month a couple of months ago now so I was doing a lot of rehab stuff and um, a lot of running just to make sure I could run at the speed I needed to first, um, especially coming into Big Bash which is not too far away but a um, bit of running in gym probably three to four days a week um, same as skills two or three times a week plus the offer to you go to club training or you can do the extras, but that's sort of just the structured stuff at the moment and then if you're not involved in Sheffield Shield cricket, you're playing club cricket on the weekends and that's sort of how a week is sort of mapped out.
0: Definitely. Is it everything that you expected going into that environment?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I guess it's the intensity around the skill-based training and stuff is something when I was younger. So really opened my eyes to, and it took me a while. Um, it's probably not until recently that I feel like I know how to train, if that makes sense. So I was sort of just going and batting for the sake of batting, and probably not really learning a hell of a lot. Um, and probably the way my career's turned out might be why I'm probably being a little bit inconsistent in a way, it probably took me a little bit longer to, to work out what I needed to do, but I feel like I've got a good grasp of it now. And although I am still feel relatively young, I'm only 26, I feel like I've played a lot and had a lot of experience for a 26 year old, so. Um, Yeah, that's the way it's heading at the moment, but coming into that environment, it it was a real eye opener. Definitely. And you mentioned before that you didn't realize how to train until
0: recently. For the listeners at home and for any young aspiring athletes, can you give us some tips on how to train efficiently? Yeah, so that was probably a
1: thing rather than just going in and and hitting balls for the sake of it. It was from a cricket point of view, training my skill as it was a match. Um, So I just found out, you know, hard enough going there and facing bowlers and everyone feels five or ten k's quicker in the nets and the ball's moving around so every time I face a bowler now in the nets I almost just treat it as though it's the start of my innings um, and I play that way like it's treat it as a, a game sense and then all the extra stuff you need in terms of developing a new skill or um, getting a bit of rhythm and, and honing your technique I try and do away from the actual nets um, and that's probably the biggest change rather than try and do everything in the 20 minutes you have in the nets or half an hour whatever it is don't have to tick every box and don't have to smack every ball in the middle to have a good net session or learn and that's probably the biggest thing.
0: Fantastic, that's some great points that you raised there Nick, thanks for sharing that. Back into some of the services that you have in a professional environment, do they have a nutritionist and how much emphasis do you guys put nutri- uh, place as nutrition on your on your game?
1: Yeah, so um, the system at the moment is, is a nutritionist around all the time and since I've been involved in professional sport that has been the case. So. Um, I know with Victoria at the moment we get our skin folds checked and that's sort of a monthly occurrence just to keep on top of it. Um, For myself, I've obviously coming into a new environment at Victoria. I've had a few discussions with the nutritionists just around some planning and stuff like that around games. So um, it's sort of a a monthly catch up at the moment. And then I guess there's a lot of accountability and um, responsibility placed on the, the individual to look after themselves. It's fantastic
0: that they've got those resources there for you to go back and, and ask the questions about what nutrition is doing in your body, because as we both know, it's such a vital thing um, as an athlete to get the best out of yourself. Uh, I guess that's a good segue into your life now as a plant-based athlete. What influenced your decision to turn plant-based?
1: Yeah, so it started, I think it's going on, in terms of giving up meat and stuff like that, over three years now. So that sort of changed, um, I could a dog, and sort of at the same time I remember sitting in my living room one day just watching her run around and thought you know like if that was any other animal why to, why is it different and that's probably where it started for me so it was a slow change at the start I think I just gave up um, the first couple of weeks basically that exact day I stopped eating meat um, and over the next couple of months I just sort of educated myself a little bit more and made some decisions based on some um, research and information I had and probably took a That was sort of during a cricket season so it probably took a little bit of time to actually really switch to a full plant-based lifestyle and 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 diet but um, started out vegetarian for probably four to five months and then uh, made the change fantastic and i love what you mentioned before about the connection with the animal
0: like you said and it's important that people realize that to make the connection with the animals that are on their plate to their pet. And I think that's a really good segue into it.
1: Yeah, so I think that was what got me over the line at the start. No doubt, I think I would have ended up um, being on a plant-based diet anyway, just through some research and um, knowing the other factors and the benefits of eating a plant-based diet. I think I would have got there eventually, but that was just the, the turning point for me.
0: Definitely. And what resources did you use to help with your transition?
1: Yeah, so at the start, I was sort of just winging it a little bit. I was just cutting out the things I knew, um, and the things that were pretty easy. And then I actually never really watched a documentary or anything until I decided to go um, on a fully plant-based diet. So it wasn't until then I actually sort of got into you know, conspiracy and forks over knives and stuff like that, which I actually felt like were very helpful at the time and sort of just confirmed that I I knew I was doing the right thing. But at the time, was just sort of reading and um the basic stuff just around you know how animals are treated and stuff like that was where i where i started my journey
0: awesome and i like how you went about your transition as well you didn't just go gung-ho and go into a plant-based diet you did your research and you you took a sustainable approach which i think
1: is better for long-term changes would you agree yeah of course um i was going to mention that i think it probably helped in in being able to stick with it there's the fact there was a few small changes at the start and pretty easy ones and then over time i eventually found obviously replacements for what you what you like eating and you come across new food and stuff like that so i think it definitely helped being a slow transition and i think if i'd just gone all out um the first day i don't know if i would have lasted yeah. i think i like i said i would have eventually got back to it but i think it was for me it was the right way to go
0: yeah fantastic and did you have any support from your loved ones during that transitional time
1: yeah, so I remember telling my mum straight away and she's like, yeah, I, I expected you would do that. So, um, yeah, it was my partner at the time as well, um, decided she grew up as a, basically a vegetarian through her mum, so that was a, a pretty easy one um, when you've got someone else there as well, but yeah at, at first, I guess, from a professional point of view and going to cricket and stuff like that, it took a little while for the change and um you yeah, know everyone wants to tell you that you Definitely. you need to eat meat and all that kind of stuff, so still find that an issue at the moment at times. but I just knew that uh, I felt like I was doing the right thing and um just to to make that connection was probably the biggest thing and I just kept reminding myself every time i you know early on when I wanted to sort of go back and it was an easy option just to eat. Um, you know if you're at a a meeting or a team meeting and they bring some sandwiches in it's an easy option just to take what's there and not really think twice and I think for me just constantly reminding myself of why I was doing it and making the connection between what where the food was coming from was a was probably the the biggest thing
0: yeah fantastic mate and when you went back to the dietitians at Victoria did they give you any like negativity towards your your decision or what was their sort of take on it?
1: I think the, the major question that everyone asks is it's always based around protein and it wasn't until, so I was at New South Wales at the time and I remember just a few chats but I was pretty confident in that I was doing it and whatever they said wasn't really going to matter and I, I felt like I had enough research and I knew enough about um, a vegan diet that I I knew I was doing the right thing and I knew I was getting enough nutrients and stuff like that so I was fairly confident and um, obviously I was... I find it hard sometimes talking to a nutritionist about um food and and what i'm what i'm eating just because they're not going through the, the same thing or they don't have a similar lifestyle so i feel definitely. like definitely at the start i was i was pretty set in my ways i knew i wanted to do it so um, i was just going about it that way
0: yeah fantastic mate and give us an example of some of the foods you would you would eat pre during and post match
1: <laughs> yeah so at the moment um we're doing sort of Victorian cricket or second 11 and stuff like that all our, our food's provided so I've had a little bit of an input over over the years of um, just a few options um, during game I'm not really someone who eats before game I'm trying to at the moment just from a uh, I guess a, a point of view where I need something if we're, if we're batting first in the morning or fielding and stuff like that just to get me through a few hours so is that um, from a nerves
0: point of view or no no so I just
1: view? don't really eat that much in the morning yeah. I'm, um, some of the time you know you're up at 7 o'clock, 7.30 going to cricket and I just don't really feel like eating at that time. So, Definitely. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, during lunches, it's always a, a mixture of um, at the moment, whether it's turning up and you, know, got your, you make your own sandwiches and wraps and there's usually a hot food option, which they've, they've made separate for me in terms of some lentils or um, chickpeas. And it's mainly just something different. Um, I think the biggest thing is what I'm trying to get across is just make a, a plant-based dish that everyone can enjoy um, as sure. as, a, as an option, I think that's probably an easier way to do it. So that definitely happens at cricket. Always get a hot food option with lunch when, when we're travelling and playing. So it's it's fairly easy. When I'm at home cooking for myself, it's usually you know, salad bowls and um, Buddha bowls and just changing up the, the flavours and stuff like that. So it's pretty pretty basic stuff, but I enjoy eating it. So Yeah, fantastic. And
0: it's good to see that they're being supportive of your decision and obviously giving you the options there as well. And post-match, do you... Do you change your routine with any of your foods
1: or what does that look like for you? Um, not really. So I rarely eat out now. Um, I, I noticed I probably you know, spend enough time on the road that you actually really enjoy home-cooked meal and, and making stuff for yourself. So the way it's gone at the moment, I cook and make my own food probably nearly every meal of the week. So after cricket, it just changes. Um, I'm always sort of following on Instagram. There's so many options yeah. and um, such great inspiration out there and so many pages that are finding new ways to, I guess, in terms of texture with food and all that kind of stuff. So I just thought, so if there's something I like, I usually screenshot the odd recipe here and there and usually just try it out during the week. But, yeah, I'm pretty easy and it's it changes days. So I don't really have anything in particular that I sort of stick to. It's just making sure I am getting, um, you know, your lentils and chickpeas and all that kind of stuff during games um, in terms of recovery point of view. Fantastic. And what's your go-to favourite meal to cook at home? Go-to, I usually... If I had to s- had someone coming over, I'd probably cook like a an eggplant, um, Parmigiana or something yeah, like nice. that, or a veggie lasagna. So um, I feel like I've. Got a damp pad at the moment. I can you know, know how many spices and how much sauce I need. and it's, it's all seemed to be working pretty well, and it's a pretty easy and, and quick one. Um, I love anything eggplant, so it's uh, it's definitely a favourite. But like I said, I find that much stuff on Instagram and so many recipes around now. Or if you go out to a cafe and you find something you like, I try and sort of copy that. Um, yeah, fantastic. You know, there's a few sandwiches that I'm I'm rotating through at the moment, and um, there's other great great stuff around so I just sort of take a bit of inspiration from everywhere
0: yeah cool mate that's awesome and what are the absolute staples that you have every single day
1: avocado definitely definitely have that every day whether it's with breakfast on some toast in the morning or um, you know on my my salads or as a side at night so definitely avocado every day Um, changes day to say I think. One of my favourite go-to meals. I love making a tofu scramble. So whenever I uh, have time, I try and make that a couple of days a week, especially in the morning, something like that. Um, but oh, yeah, nice. at, at the moment, it's I'm really into some some pesto at the moment, so I'm putting that on everything, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm I'm heavy into that. But as a staple, yeah, it's usually just the the avocado, and um, I'm really liking the. Think it's organic village the chickpea tempeh at the moment um i'm loving that so that's in most of my dishes as well
0: yeah awesome and they are just about to release some new plant-based burgers yeah i've village, seen
1: so. seen that so pretty exciting yeah um, for sure obviously had some other um like the beyond burger and stuff like that um while i've been traveling around and obviously now in australia so yeah it's exciting yeah, awesome and what is it like when you're traveling overseas trying to maintain this sort of lifestyle it can be difficult. Um, most of the time it's okay in terms of getting enough food. You know, any, anywhere on the road, even travelling within Australia, um, you know, Mexican food is a a great one, Um, you're sort of getting a lot of your nutrients there Um, and that's probably the go-to if I don't really know what to get or there's not much around but at the moment I found, I was in Zimbabwe during the the winter for a a T20 tour and I was with Kane Richardson who's another vegan as well and we're finding it a little bit difficult there in in that country but we ended up finding some products and took it to the chef and ended up making our own food so there's definitely some options there um, but most of the time it, it's okay it's it's pretty good and I think the landscape's changing now where plant-based food is becoming a, a popular item and um, on on most menus and there's options at, at most places now
0: definitely and you can even tell that through mainstream supermarkets there's dedicated aisles and and sections for plant-based foods and and there's more hype around there the products which is great to see yeah
1: there is um you know going to the times where you would just be the only one sort of buying tofu or, or whatever it is at the aisle usually duck into a few little grocers and supermarkets so i go past just to see what they've got and have a look if there's any new things around but um yeah it's great to see and obviously with the plant-based mints and stuff it's come out as well i have sort of family who were heading in the direction of a, a plant-based diet and transitioning through foods like that, I think is a, a really good way for people getting started.
0: Definitely, I couldn't agree
1: more. And on that note of, you
0: mentioned before, how you were trying to get all your your vitamins and minerals through lentils and chickpeas. Do yeah. you take any supplements? I know that there's a lot of hype about vegans, how they're deficient in A, B and C vitamins and whatnot. Do you yeah.
1: supplement anything? No, never. So I think, not never, but when I first started out, um, obviously, the nutritionist got me taking some some protein powder just um in around I think it was a a pea protein at the time but it's not something I really felt like I needed I felt like I'd rather be getting my nutrients and all that stuff from from food so I think if there's a time I feel like I really need to to supplement um I will but at the moment I've you know it's going on three years and I've sort of blood tests fairly regularly just to keep keep on track um, and see where everything's headed and I haven't really had any issues yet so um, I'll keep going down that path.
0: Yeah awesome mate that's very pleasing to hear and I guess whenever you tell someone you're going vegan they hit you with where's your protein what do you take for supplements and are you deficient in anything yes. so it's good to say that you're ticking all those boxes. Yeah I think
1: it? people forget uh, I had this conversation pretty recently as well um, I was asked by nutritionists where how much protein and um, that I was getting and I kept a diary for a week just a food diary um, I think people sort of forget that there's protein in vegetables as well it's yeah. not just coming from your sort of soy based products or your chickpeas and and legumes and stuff like that that it is actually in vegetables um obviously you got to eat a lot more of them but I think that's a beauty of being on a plant-based side as well but I think that just sort of shows that when I was keeping track of it and obviously you don't really need as much protein as people think you do to survive Definitely. and um I think from my point of view um yeah I feel like I'm I'm playing four or five days of cricket at a time and not once feel like I don't have in, enough energy or anything like that.
0: Awesome, and that's a great point. Talk to us about your energy levels now as a, as a plant-based athlete, as opposed to before.
1: Yeah, you can remember. I definitely noticed a change, especially early on. So like I said, I was vegetarian for a few months, um, mainly just because I wasn't, um, I guess, educated enough to know the options and what I could definitely cut out. And it's it sort of sounds like a bigger step than what it actually is. And I remember, The day i i I think i was away somewhere and you know decided that the next morning i I was cutting out all eggs and dairy and everything so basically the next day i I cut all that out and um i think at the start i probably noticed i was sleeping a lot better um sleeping well i had great energy i lost a couple of kilos within the first few weeks um, and i just felt like a, a different person and that was still just going from a vegetarian diet to a a fully plant-based diet. So there's definitely the benefits there. And it's hard now because I'm so used to it in three years in. But yeah, definitely, I think the big thing playing cricket and especially a lot of four-day cricket and stuff like that, I never actually have had a moment where I felt um, like I've needed more food or that I wasn't doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, awesome, mate. That's fantastic. Very pleasing to hear. And how do you feel that this lifestyle has enabled you to thrive as both a person and an athlete?
1: Yeah, good question. So coming from the athlete point of view, like we just touched on, I think definitely from an energy point of view, um, in terms of sleeping, it's definitely helped my performance in that aspect. Um, Obviously got probably at the start, got a lot fitter than what I was just through a a better diet. Um, And from the the personal aspect, I guess it's just changed the way I I view the world now, which is just not at all negative. It's a very positive thing, Um, you know, I think there's, there's more aspects to my life now where you know, I'm, I'm making decisions based not just on myself but how it affects firstly the, the environment and obviously a lot of animals as we touched on before. So, as a person I feel like it's added just a couple of new dimensions or just um, rounded, a bit more of a well-rounded person altogether and that's probably because of the, the plant-based diet and probably a vegan lifestyle.
0: Yeah, fantastic, mate. And just backtracking a little bit before you mentioned that you you sometimes face some hardships with people giving you a hard time about being vegan and why don't you eat meat? What why don't you eat this and that? What are some tips for the listeners that are going through that sort of stage? I know I'm in a all male sporting environment yeah. as well and I cop the exact same thing. So what are, what are some tips that you use to combat that?
1: Yeah, I think firstly just being educated enough to know that you're you're right (laughs) um and you know you can get told so many times that you need more protein or you need to eat this and all this kind of stuff but I think if you've got the if you've done the research and you know um that you are doing the right thing and that you're on the right path and that you are still going to be active and and have enough energy and stuff I think that's probably the biggest thing it was just knowing um and having the the backing that you're doing the right thing so you can if you want to counter argue yeah (laughs) against someone you sort of have a bit of a some knowledge there but um i guess another thing is probably just being planned i know that's probably the biggest thing i've noticed especially transitioning they have to be a little bit more planned um you know if we're traveling and and you know if i'm going to be out of home and i'm not going to be at home for a few hours during lunchtime, um what, what am i going to eat and all that kind of stuff so yeah that's probably my my advice is planning and then um just some research
0: excellent and on the opposite end of the spectrum do you ever get people coming up to you intrigued about what you're doing and ask you questions about oh how has this helped you perform,
1: for example? Um, not really in terms of our professional environment. Um, obviously, I get, I've had a few people on Instagram reach out and say, you know, you're doing a great thing, well done, and ask a few questions on there. But a lot of the time, it's, um, it's just, you know, your friends are still questioning a little bit. But I find it really interesting when you know, there's a vegan meal at cricket and people sort of tuck into it and oh that's actually really nice like well what did you expect yeah. like it's like you don't just eat grass yeah yeah like what did you expect or like I have some friends at the moment I think who definitely will end up um on a full plant-based diet but it's been through friends of theirs getting them to come out to restaurants and getting them to try new food so it's just for people having an open mind as well um but yeah it's it's something where I feel like it's for me it's a pretty important important part of my life now
0: fantastic mate hit the nail on the head and do you have any tips for the listeners on where to begin their plant-based journey
1: yeah so it's a good one actually so i think um if i was starting out again knowing what i know now i'd probably just go straight to straight to netflix and watch a couple of documentaries um do a bit of research i think anywhere there's some great podcasts around and great um instagram pages around where you can get inspiration so it's just i think it's just about educating yourself so that you are like it's probably going to be more sustainable, and you'll hold on to it longer and there are definitely tough times when you first transition in. I understand that you know it's it is easier sometimes just to eat what you're given and not really um think twice just because it's you know it's convenient or you don't want to put anybody out and I've been through that, and thankfully, I didn't actually um cave into any of it, but I think yeah, just being educated and and finding something that works for you because it's it's different for everyone. people might get into it um uh, from animal perspective, which is where I started but and so many factors now that contribute and uh, show the positive side of a plant-based side in terms of the environment um, and all that kind of stuff as well. So finding, I guess, a a connection. So when you do or when you are faced with the challenges you have something to come back to thank you for sharing your your plant-based journey i really appreciate it i know the
0: listeners will take a lot out of that particularly from an athletic performance because if athletes are doing it at the top level there's no reason for the everyday person that they can't thrive off it
1: yeah exactly i think um even in the u.s sport there's um you know football nfl players that are massive 300 pound guys that are eating a, a fully plant-based diet um, weightlifters around the world there's a semi-professional i think soccer team in the uk where their whole Forest team, green yeah, yet. yeah yeah so they're on a all plant-based side and um you know their their training facility is very it's all sort of recycled and um environmentally friendly and i guess yeah there's no no reason why people can't transition. I think once you start, starting is probably the hardest part, and once you get started, everyone, every vegan I've ever spoken to about it always say they wish they did it earlier, and I'm definitely one of those, so just get started somewhere.
0: Yeah, awesome, mate. Thank you. And for anyone that is intrigued about the Forest Green Rovers uh, Football Club, search them up on Instagram and read their story. Um, It's quite amazing, and the things they're doing is definitely leading us to a more sustainable planet, so it's fantastic to see. Nick, talk to us a little bit about your experience playing cricket for Australia. Paint the picture when you received your first baggy green. What was that like?
1: Yeah, so um, obviously I was playing a Sheffield Shield game at the time for New South Wales at the SCG, and you know, there's a lot of talk leading up to the match. We just played a pretty bad test in Hobart, and um, the team was going to be changing. So I actually didn't expect that I was um, a chance of being selected. There were a group of players who were scoring a lot of runs and doing well leading up to that test that sort of basically selected themselves Um, and then sort of one morning I think it was the last day of the four-day game I got a phone call early in the morning from Trevor Holmes and said that you know they want to change the style of play and that I sort of fit into their plans in the future and that I was going to Adelaide so it was definitely a surprise Um, like I said I wasn't sort of scoring bulk runs at the time so I was a little bit shocked by it but to, to get down there and get involved and once you're involved obviously you're questioned a little bit at the start but once you're there and you're training and playing and preparing that you sort of feel like you belong and, and, and are ready to perform so um, it's a whirlwind couple of weeks and it felt like I went by quickly and I learned a lot from it and didn't perform the way I would have liked but um, I learned, learned so much from that experience
0: Fantastic mate and that's such a positive resilient attitude that you had towards that which I, which I admire from you mate and then talk to us about your recent move from New South Wales to Victoria what was the antagonist for that?
1: Yeah, so um, first I signed with the, the Melbourne Stars for, for BBL um, for this season and for a couple of years. So that was sort of the reason why once I was found out I was uncontracted in New South Wales and that they'd wanted to head in a different direction in terms of some younger players and um, they just felt like we haven't won enough recently and that they wanted to sort of move, move me along and go in a different direction, which is understandable. Um, Melbourne was always sort of the first choice and obviously being with the Stars, I'd signed before that. So Mm -hmm. I'd planned to come down here um, and play and it just turned out that, you know, Victoria were pretty open to me coming down and and possibly playing in their one-day team at the start of the year, which obviously turned out that way. Um, And I got upgraded through through a point system, which you get from playing games, ended up on their list and now have sort of full access to every other contracted player has. And um, yeah, it's been a... A whirlwind i guess six months um, but i've learned a lot from it and i think it's for my future it's a good place for me to be
0: yeah fantastic and i'm gonna pop this question in here
1: melbourne or sydney mate uh <laughs> tough one i can't give you an exact answer yet but i'm loving melbourne i've only been here since september i sort of moved down i was away most of the winter so i moved down when i got back from overseas but in terms of livability i'd say melbourne's probably got my first choice but um And from a social aspect and sort of a nightlife, I think Melbourne's a very social place and sort of getting around and even just driving in my car there's a lot of people out and about having dinner and I think, you know, when the weather's nice as people get out and and are very social... Um, but I miss the beaches in Sydney. I think as soon as I moved to Sydney, I always lived fairly close to the beach and growing up near the beach is something I miss. But yeah, I love the the lifestyle of Melbourne for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm always seeing on Instagram all these beautiful beaches in Sydney, so I'm definitely jealous about that with you, mate.
1: (laughs) What are some of the sacrifices
0: that you needed to make to play at the top level? And were you ever faced with any life-changing choices in order to reach your dream?
1: Question: I think the sacrifices, just little things along the way. Um, probably more when I was coming through an underage system, so missing out on 18th birthday parties and 21st birthdays and stuff like that. Just little things that you miss out on with your sort of close group of friends because you're playing cricket the next day, or you've got a two-hour drive in the morning, or you know you're, you're playing out in the country three days in a row and you're sort of staying over overnight. And they're just the little things that I probably missed, and I don't regret missing it because it got me to where I wanted to be now. So. Um, I think just at times, those little things are what you sacrifice, but you sort of get the reward um, when when it does come. And once I've got into professional cricket, we have obviously a pretty good lifestyle and we get holiday period and you have time to go and and enjoy yourself and um, see different parts of the world, which I'm grateful for. So it all adds up in the end. Awesome, Um, mate. Yeah, so.
0: And was there any one moment that stood out for you that you were like, oh, wow, I need to choose that or?
1: Not really. Like I said, playing rugby, um, although I did love it, it was, I was always probably a better cricketer and wanted to play that more. So that was sort of the main choice. Um, the biggest decision I've probably had to make was the most recent one coming to Melbourne um, in terms of my career. And hopefully just starting fresh now, I feel like it's, it's almost like coming into a new system again, new coaches, new players. It, it feels like I'm 18 again, um, playing in a, in a totally different environment. And that's probably been the biggest um, decision I've had to make in my career so far.
0: Yeah, fantastic, mate. And do you have any advice for any young athletes on how to prioritise that and not get caught up in the crowd?
1: Yeah, so I think it just comes from, I guess, a goal and motivation and that was sort of where I, I knew... There was definitely times where you'd sort of sit back and wish that you were going to your mate's 18th birthday party with all your friends on a Friday night or something like that. But um, I guess I just knew right that I wanted to play cricket and that was a sacrifice I had to make. So I guess, you know, you can just being aware that you can still have times where you'll be able to enjoy yourself but there's just a couple of times where you'll have to sacrifice little things um, whether it be stuff like that or just to to go to a gym session in the morning you might miss catching up with a friend or something like that. So they're just little things along the way that sort of add up over time but yeah, I think just probably having a really clear goal of what you want to do is what helped me get through all that.
0: Fantastic, mate. And give us a bit of an insight in what your most iconic sporting moment to date is.
1: Definitely getting my baggy green um, is the the most iconic and probably a hard one to beat. Um, More so, I think obviously playing for Australia was a lifelong goal and to be able to achieve that was something I'm proud of. But the biggest part of that, which I don't, it's come in recent years. So a lot of your family are out on the ground now. So when I got presented in my hat by Simon Cadditch, who if I had to choose one, he probably would have been pretty high on my list. Um, you know, he was someone I looked up to coming through as a young left-hander from New South Wales. He was someone I always looked up to as a cricketer and as a person as well. And um, he presented me my cap and my mum and dad were both standing right behind me when it all happened. So that moment was pretty hard to forget um, for sure. And there's, my mum's got a couple of photos and stuff like that, which is, which is, sort of a long-lasting memory of having those two on the ground straight after that moment. So that was probably the biggest biggest uh, highlight of my career.
0: Yeah, amazing. And you mentioned that you modelled your game on Simon Cadditch. Was he always growing up your idol or did you have another person Uh, you looked
1: up to as well? I never really modelled my game on anyone too much. I loved left-handed players, so... Um, I batted obviously I'd, when I first came into professional cricket I was opening the batting but it was only something I'd just started doing at that time so I was a middle order player growing up um, I used to love Michael Bevan he was probably my, my hero from as long as I can remember but I always had a thing for left handed players it didn't matter if they were um, from India or um you know, the West Indies, I used to love Brian Lara, um, I used to love Sir <laughs> Ganguly as well. So any left-hander that sort of played slightly different or had a bit of a different technique, uh, so I was sort of drawn towards, more so just out of a bit of intrigue and how they, how they played. And I think as a kid and as someone growing up watching cricket, I was a keen observer and I probably picked up a lot of things and learned things while watching other people. And being a lefty, that's sort of the guys that I looked up to were, were those sort of um, role models.
0: Fantastic, mate. And I'm keen to hear what your future goals are for the moment.
1: Yeah, so obviously short-term stuff. I'd like to be playing Sheffield Shield again for Victoria. That's um, My ultimate goal is to end up playing Test cricket again and that's why I'm playing and what still drives me at the moment. So obviously a few small steps on the way to be able to get there and um, I understand if I try my hardest and give it everything that if it's not good enough, I I can live with that. But at the moment, um, I'd feel pretty disappointed if I wasn't putting everything and all my energy towards wanting to play test cricket again so that's my ultimate goal and um, from a cricketing point of view and outside of that I think um, obviously being in this sort of vegan lifestyle for basically three years now I think outside of cricket I can play a big role in in other areas and that's something in the future and possibly next off season I'll look to develop and get into that space as well so um, yeah it's an exciting times but yeah they're my two goals I guess from a cricket point of view and personal
0: excellent mate and even chatting to you now you are such an inspirational person and you're doing great things with the platform that you're given I'm keen to know what who inspires you or what inspires you
1: yeah good question um I guess it's hard to say who inspires me because I've I think growing up from a cricket perspective and even sort of changing to a plant-based diet, I was sort of motivated by myself and um sort of always went out of my way to research stuff and sort of got myself going um in that aspect but what motivates me at the moment is you know, I have a couple of dogs at home and um I guess seeing how how much they just love life and um you know I think where I think now is if I look to the future what impact I can have on the on the future from a I guess a, a diet and food point of view but also an environmental aspect as well and I think that's outside of cricket that's what's sort of motivating me at the moment to, to keep going down this path um, and obviously like I said before test cricket still my ultimate goal and that's what gets me up every day from a professional point of view
0: yeah fantastic mate what dogs do you have at home
1: I have a couple of Cogger Spaniels so a bit of a tough time recently one of them's um, had surgery on her back so she's only three so she's in a a little wheelchair at the moment um, and doesn't really have much feeling in her legs so it's been a tough couple of months but we're hopeful that she'll get something back Um, and she's only three and then I've got a a younger one who's almost one so she's probably destroying my house at the moment tearing (laughs) up uh, bits of cardboard out of the recycling no doubt
0: as they do I've got a labrador home and chewed through my bifold doors so yeah I know you're feeling mate don't worry Um, what's the best bit of advice that you've ever received
1: that's a really tough one, I'm not too sure. Um, sounds pretty pretty basic, but it was just to enjoy what I'm doing and have fun. I think from, a, I guess a cricketing point of view, that was what my parents always sort of um, thrust upon you is to, to enjoy doing it and have as much fun as you can. I still try and do that now. I don't take anything too seriously. Um, obviously once I'm there and I'm playing and regardless of whether it's cricket or, or outside of, of cricket, I'm, when I'm doing a task or something, I'm pretty focused on it, but I'm a pretty laid back sort of person and um, try to see the, the bigger picture in things. And I guess it's, it's just something like that, that you know, something as simple as just enjoying what you do and, and having fun has probably had a big impact on me.
0: Yeah, fantastic, mate. And another good segue into what are two bits of advice that you can give for any youngsters out there or aspiring athletes?
1: Two bits of advice. Um, Obviously having fun while you're doing it and probably just having some clear goals. Um, I think, you know, looking back, whether it was unofficial, like I'll probably as a twelve year old I wasn't writing down my goals or anything like that, but um, you know, have a clear goal of what you want to achieve and then you'll eventually find out how you how you wanna get there as well, um, through different aspects of life, um, whether it be from a, a study point of view or a work point of view or through sport or Um, through diet and lifestyle I think you'll if you know what you want to do you'll find a way to get there somehow and um, I guess yeah just really clear on what you want to do.
0: Yeah fantastic mate and I'm keen to know what the main message that you're trying to spread through your everyday life and obviously through your cooking career.
1: Yeah so I guess from a plant-based diet point of view it's just about educating people and the message I'm trying to get across is just to encourage people to try and make the connection between the food they're eating whether it be obviously close to my heart is the the animal perspective of things um but people might not feel the same and i understand that just knowing that everyone's a little bit different and other things might drive them so just encouraging them to to become educated and um, obviously it'd be great if i could get everyone and every person i come across inspired enough to adopt a, a vegan lifestyle because like i keep saying it's obviously a plant-based diet but the whole vegan movement and life it's a big it's a lifestyle change and i see it as that it probably took a little bit of time at the start but um obviously in terms of the products you're using and and clothes you're wearing and all that kind of stuff it it all impacts the environment and also animals as well so that's probably the message i'm trying to get across is that you know little things in your everyday life uh, have a pretty big impact
0: fantastic mate you hit the nail on the head there with that it is a lifestyle not not just a diet so
1: yeah i think it that was the thing i think when i decided to um sort of cut out everything and adopt a plant-based diet it took a little bit of time it was probably once again just becoming educated and researching what products and stuff like that were i mean, i think it's it's definitely changed even in the three years that i've been vegan i think the the exposure now to obviously cruelty-free products natural products and stuff like that as much as a as a um, the food we're eating uh, it seems to be everywhere now and i think companies and and people the more people and sort of it's a supply and demand thing isn't it the more people wanting a vegan diet and wanting to to live that way of life the more products are going to be available so it's just encouraging people to to start somewhere and if it's slow that's okay just you know it's going to be more sustainable if you if you start slow and ease your way into it so just get started.
0: Fantastic, mate. Hit the nail on the head and I've said it before and I will say it again that if athletes at the top level are thriving off this lifestyle, there is no excuse for the everyday person in saying that. Use your resources, guys, and if you ever ever want to get in contact contact with Nick, I'm sure he's open to have a chat about a plant-based lifestyle and how he's thriving off it And, and I'm also available too. Nick, it's been a pleasure having you on on the podcast today, mate. I really enjoyed listening to your story and getting an insight into what it's like being a professional athlete adopting a plant-based lifestyle. Where can we reach you?
1: Yeah, so I don't really use a lot of social media. I, I kind of just stick to Instagram. Um, so if anyone wants to know anything about sort of whether they've heard on the podcast and have a few other questions or want to know, Uh, anything about sort of the lifestyle or or how I live I'm happy to sort of answer a few questions if people sort of reach out there I don't use it a a hell of a lot in promoting any I guess in terms of sort of taking photos of me at the beach and stuff like that it's not something that I I really do that much I use it as more of a a way to keep in touch and sort of find some inspiration for the lifestyle I want to live and to follow obviously family and friends and stuff like that but that's probably the one spot if anyone's got any questions or um, want any advice and or or after anything, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to answer that if they want to reach out. So
0: Excellent. I'll have those details in the show notes for you. Well, guys, you can follow Nick's cricketing journey this summer for Victoria and he mentioned before the Melbourne Stars for the BBL and hopefully Australia in the near future, mate. So best of luck with your yeah, cricketing endeavours. And thanks again for coming on the show. No worries. Thanks. And that's this week's Dose of Euphoria. Connect with myself and the Euphoria Health community on Instagram or Facebook at Euphoria Health. Through these channels, you'll find cool workouts, plant-based recipes and daily challenges. Until next time, guys, I'm your host, Matt Sampala, And remember, don't settle for anything less than Euphoria.